You're listening to the Kingdom Project Podcast. These are discussions on biblical theology and interpretation. The emphasis is on context and grace. The goal is to promote biblical literacy by displacing and debunking most modern interpretations. The challenge is to engage in healthy conversation that may stretch, but sharpen iron. This is The Kingdom Project, and I'm your host, Marcus Hall. Let's review that from verses 1 uh, to 16, we come to this, now this, that Paul states in, in 17. Now this, or some translations, therefore, which goes back to his exhortation, all right, in verse 1. This walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. All right, so this is all going back to that. And so that's all laid out and that's all developed how this worthy walk pertains to us, the church, by maintaining that unity of the spirit, right? Preserving that, which already exists. Then the grace, the grace of the gifts and ministry that's been given to us. To teach biblical doctrine so we can serve the Lord and one another in love that contributes to the growth that matures us. Like we saw last week, it matures us, it renews us, moving us from children that will will not be deceived by false doctrine, but will be strong in knowledge of the word and bound together by it to grow in Christ likeness. All right, so that's where we're at. So, with verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Okay, this is a, this is a good little section. It's good. I like it. So, <laughs> picture of the old self, picture of the new self. Stop. Where you come from, that's not you. Don't do that. Rather do this, this, because this is who you are now. That's a really short summary, all right? So Paul now turns to how the, the worthy walk in, in verse 1 and 2. This worthy walk affects personal holiness and the process of sanctification in which we're all going through, right? Even though we are sanctified, we are still in this continual process in our lives of being sanctified. 
by testifying or affirming that in the Lord, okay, in the Lord. So this word affirm, he says, means to, to testify in court and to testify is when you summons a witness and he's going, um, he's, he's giving this commandment from the Lord here. So this points to Paul's authority as an apostle to speak this. Okay, so Paul makes this general statement about unbelievers and how they live in the futility of their mind and that they're, they're like that because they are darkened in their understanding and alienated from the life of God because of ignorance. Okay, so today, if we used words like ignorance or fool and stuff like that, that would be taken as this very bad thing. It's not altogether bad. It's saying you're ignorant of that. It's not a mean thing to say. All right. Because the Bible uses it. So it doesn't necessarily mean that it's bad. Okay. <laughs> so it's this ignorance. Okay. We have to watch this falling and how he builds this up. It's so interesting that it's the, the ignorance that hardens hearts because of sin. All right. They don't know God. So their lives that are futile. All right. And lifestyle leads into uh, giving themselves over to this sensuality and impurity. Now, we have a parallel sort in, in, in Romans 1. Uh, a lot of Romans 1 parallels most of this. And it's interesting because it's actually something that's been brought up for the last couple of weeks, either after service or before service, when we were talking about it last, last Sunday morning before we started in Romans 1 about people who don't know. I've been asked that question too. What about other people like the tribes, you know, and the bush and stuff like that? But the, in Romans 1, it speaks that creation speaks of the glory of God. Everything around you speaks, you know, like the fool is without an excuse, it says, and they have suppressed the truth inside of them. But in this context here of what Paul is saying, Romans 1.21, he says, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Okay, so what's the word uh, futile or futility? It's like vanity. And if you guys have ever read through Ecclesiastes... <laughs> Not a very uplifting book sometimes, but vanity, vanity, all is vanity, right? We're but a vapor, we're but, you know, a breath, all right? So this futility comes from that Hebrew word meaning breath or vapor, and it refers to anything that is frail or lacking substance. So to live in that, to live in the futility of the mind is to think and live without any regard for God. It's with no care at all. Sometimes not even with any care to other people around you. It's self, uh, selfish gratification. It's for fleeting pleasures. And it's not caring at all what any of the, uh, the consequences may be. Just whatever. Don't care. And Paul is saying... Don't live as if God doesn't exist, right? He's saying, don't go back to this, okay? So this futility of the mind is from a darkened understanding. And this goes back to Adam, all right? That humanity was an unable to reason through things from God's perspective after the fall. 
We see it all through the Old Testament. We see it today. They're unable to understand completely spiritual truth. Sin entered the world and the spiritual lights went out. Like, gone, right? Black, darkened. So now Paul says, don't have that darkened understanding. You don't have it now. You'll no longer be like the Gentiles. We'll get to that word in a moment, but uh, I think. <laughs> but in 1 John 1, 7, it says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us all from sin. That was a little phrase Grandpa used with me when I was little, when I got scared. I was scared of the dark. He would say, anytime you're scared, you just say, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. <laughs> I remember that. I remember, now I see what he was doing the whole time I was growing up. He was instilling all these little things in me, and he was giving me scripture. I didn't know that, though. <laughs> so this understanding refers to how we think. We need to be renewed and transformed in our mind. Right? So sound doctrine, which has been the emphasis uh, in, to the majority of this chapter, uh, that is the, the foundation, right, of this spiritual understanding, becoming a biblical thinker, that foundation that's been laid already, all right? That, that's key. But then, but then we read that they are also, they, there's this alienation from the life of God. All right. So this is exclusion because they are dead in their sins. And we've seen that in chapter two of Ephesians. They lack new life from God. Um, and, and when coming to Christ results in receiving new life from God. Right. Okay. So then Paul saying that those who walk in the spiritual ignorance uh, it's, it's due to hard hearts. The ignorance explains further why they are alienated from God because they don't know him personally. So this ignorance translates in, in the Greek word where we get our word agnostic, <laughs> which is funny to me. <laughs> but the full definition is it, it means to be without knowledge. So someone who's agnostic, they're I just don't know. So Paul traces this spiritual ignorance to the hardness of their hearts. So he's connecting all these things, sort of stacking them up here. And so to be hard-hearted is to ignore God's commands, and this ignorance then due to sin suppresses the truth, and it cuts a person off from the life of God, which... Again, parallels Romans 1. We suppress it. All right? A lot of, we, we were talking about it last night. A lot of people think they're angry at God. They are mad at God. They leave the faith because I didn't like how that turned out. They're not really angry at God. You have to understand. They don't see that, though. I was like that one time. I did not want to believe in God. I wanted to be an atheist so bad, and I couldn't. I could not prove it. <laughs> So I, I went to, the, to the, the agnostic side for a little bit, trying to figure it out. But I was angry at God, I thought, but I wasn't. I was angry at what I thought was the representation of God that was not all there, right? I was blaming man. I was blaming people in the church, and that's common. 
and of what I thought was a misrepresentation of what a Christian should be. Therefore, I don't like God because of how they act. And that's exactly how the world acts about church, right? But that's just false perception. Like, I'm just presupposing what everything's supposed to be like because I have ignorance, because I'm not in relationship with God, because I'm just going to church, going through the motions, and trying to be what I think it should be like. And when I don't see that, that makes me angry at God. But it just makes me angry at men. And it's all based on my presuppositions that I carry around because I've not taken time to open this up and study it for myself. All right. So, yes, there's bad things in the church. There are wolves. There are false converts. There are people that are faking it. But we're not to look to them all the time. Right. Like, first and foremost, we look to the word. We look at Jesus. We see that. We learn from the apostles' teachings, and then we glean from that. We should be imitators of one another, but we have to help each other with that. And that's why we're brothers and sisters that are in a family that are bound together to help each other out. Instead of getting angry at God, right, we just lovingly approach one another to say, I don't think that's really, you know, something that you should be doing. Let's pray about it. Let's go to the Word. Let's find it out. Rabbit trail, I know. Just came to my mind. So that's a perfect picture, though, of what he's explaining here on don't be like that. In Romans 1, it's the same, right? We have this darkened understanding because we're hard-hearted and it's because of spiritual ignorance, all right? This is all of humanity. All of us. We're born into this. So <clears throat> all of those things that he's just laid out, this describes then the final result of this that has stemmed from sin right they become callous they give themselves up to sensuality greedy to practice every kind of impurity all right so they they're already hard-hearted they're darkened too but now they become callous all right calluses we think of calluses right that thick skin we don't feel pain you know someone that sews a lot you get those calluses on there take a needle the not going to affect you you know calluses to feel no pain but spiritually then it's to lose the capacity to feel shame you're not going to be convicted of what you're doing because you have no shame about what it is that you are doing or how you are living your life all right so again in romans 1 if you if, if you just take just remember romans 1 go through it later but in 24, 25, 26 through 28, we see that God gave these people over. But here, in this context, they have given themselves over. And it's a description of the same thing, but from a sinner's perspective. So they become callous. They give themselves up to sensuality. That means to cast off all restraint. Okay. That. It's to be open about it in public violation to God's moral standards. And this greediness to impurity then refers to an insatiable appetite for a sexual sin here, too, in this context. You remember this 
setting of Ephesus, and I talked about the Temple of Diane going on in that same place, all right? E- Ephesus was a city, 200,000 at least in population, all right? So Paul has built and established this church here. He's given him, them this letter here that we have that's full of all this doctrine. They're combating all that opposition, and that temple over there has the temple prostitution that's going on. And so he's using these Gentile people here saying they're calloused, they're going uh, after sensual things, um, practicing every kind of impurity, all right? So you think of the prostitution and the sex stuff that's going on in the other temple of this pagan god. All right, so the point, the point is that pursuing sensuality and greed feeds on itself, all right? And error leads to more error. Since... What was new and exciting soon becomes dull and unfulfilling. So the one that's in sin must seek out new depths of perversion in any manner. That's the point there, all right? So he's just described to not be like this anymore, all right? This I say, okay, no longer... Gentile there. We know there's the Jews, the Gentiles. Gentile means heathens, pagans in this context. Uh, we don't usually say those words much today, that the world's full of heathens or pagans, right? But if you're in sin, that's what the Bible calls it. So <clears throat> he's saying no longer this. So he's painted this picture, all right? So he's he's draws this sharp contrast in usual Paul fashion here when he when he goes into tw- verse 20 but that is not the way you learned Christ so learn Christ what does that mean and he's stating that to become a believer is a matter of coming to know Jesus personally and then you must know something of who he is as revealed in scripture and know of the significance of why he died on the cross for sinners to know why you need to be saved. All right. You need to know why you need to be saved in the first place. There's all sorts of different ways of evangelism today. Some is power evangelism. I don't necessarily have anything wrong with it, but a lot of times they never approach anybody's their nature of what we've just went through here. It's always like, God loves you. He's proud of you. Keep doing what you're doing. I just want to let you know Jesus loves you. That's true, but it's a half truth. They need to repent in order to become new, right? So they need to know what's wrong with them to know why they need to be saved. And and that's part of this here. So at that knowing then you receive faith and that Christian life begins when you receive eternal life from God through faith in Jesus. It's at that moment that you begin to start knowing him personally and it's the beginning of an eternal relationship with them at that moment. And then this line, assuming... Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, all right? Paul's not doubting here about that. He's saying, I know you have heard about him because I spent two years with you guys, all right? Historical records actually shows that he was there for almost two years and spent 
uh, it was in the school of Tyrannus, if I say that right. He spent at least four hours a day in that school teaching the church at Ephesus. Every day, four hours a day for almost two years, laying, like talking about the apostles' teachings. So he knows that they have heard. So he's not saying, I doubt that you've not heard that message there. It's just rhetoric, all right? I know you have heard him and that when he and others preached the gospel, that those in Ephesus had learned it as God speaking to them because of the authority that was in Paul's and his apostleship. And it opened their deaf ears and it, and it was not just hearing words, but it was heard Jesus calling them to himself, all right? And, the, and then when he says, he says, as the truth is in Jesus, that in Jesus, this verse ends with that phrase and it sums up what Paul's view of a Christian uh, we have seen throughout this letter then. The saints are faithful in Christ. We have received every spiritual blessing in Christ God chose us in him before the foundation of the world. In Christ, we have redemption through his blood. He's made known to us the mystery of his will, which God purposed in Jesus, and it keeps going. Oh, through, just piles up, right? All through this letter. So taught in him, right? Let me look at that and make sure I get it right. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him. It's just an interesting wording. We're taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. So this you are taught in him is as you are being taught by him through the apostles teachings. And from a standpoint of this new relationship in Christ that entails this new position in Jesus. So to be dedicated to the apostles' teachings, and I always emphasize that, is like you're being taught by Christ. When it's, when it's being uh, exposited correctly, when it's being laid out correctly, it's as you're being taught by Jesus. And that's why this is so important to dedicate yourself to the apostles' teachings. And then he uses that phrase, as the truth is in Jesus. And it qualifies the last statement. That Christ is the focus because he is the embodiment of truth. He is truth. He is life, right? So in him, we learn who we are. And we learn the truth of sin and the truth of righteousness. All right? And about how to love and worship the Father and one another because we're in the body. So the point then is in verses 20 and 21 that the changed life now, the new life, comes from the transformation the Holy Spirit works in us through the gospel of Christ. And it's a continual process, yes, that, that, that Paul now lays out by the putting off of the old and the being renewed and then the putting on or the new. Uh, yeah. So put, he says, verse 22. 
put off your old self, all right, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Put off your old self. You're no longer that anymore. It, it, that phrase, to put off your old self, is literally the old man, all right? I think a lot of us are familiar with that phrase. We hear it, the old man, all right? It is the old man, and it's saying it belongs to your former manner of life. Where you were at before you knew Jesus, that's where it belongs. Okay? So our old self is all we were before being made new. All right? We were ruled by sin and we were corrupt by deceitful desires. So Paul uses this phrase later in, in, or in Rome, Romans and in, in other letters. Romans 6 and Colossians 3 as an accomplished fact. All right? I don't know if you guys remember that one sermon before. Uh, you're dead, right? The, the, the old man, you're dead. Like, that's dead. <laughs> so, he, but he, he's saying this is an accomplished fact. That when Jesus died, we died. When he was raised, we raised. And we need to reckon those truths then to our lives, okay? It's not just good and black and white paper here. Like, it's truth. Like we don't we don't seek to do this part ourselves. We don't do that. Right? Because God has made it a reality already. The self is again another allusion back to the Adamic man that's apart from Christ. Alright, so but here's the thing. So we have to deal with this. I dealt with it in that one sermon too. In other letters, Paul commands us to put to death our members that are on the earth. It's from Romans 8, it's Colossians 3, in the literal, literal translation. So why is it that, that case if we are already dead, right? <laughs> the answer is in the next verse, to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Being a new creation requires being renewed in the spirit of our minds. This is an ongoing process that the Holy Spirit works in us with our cooperation, it's not just, it's going to happen. We have to cooperate with this, okay? He does the renewing as we obey God and as we walk in the Spirit or be led by the Spirit, all right? By consuming our minds with His transform, transforming word of truth. And the Spirit performs the work, but we are responsible to use the means of renewal, which in whole renews renews us as we submit to it to his word to what he wants his will in our lives okay so the the, the important thing to, to notice here is the phrase though the spirit of your mind that's interesting because the spirit isn't part of your mind um, at least I don't think so I don't know some people say it is <laughs> it depends there's dichotomy, trichotomy, it's all that stuff. I don't want to get into that. Within this context right here, it's because the spirit is not a part of our minds. You have to think of it in this way. It's more like the, the phrase that Paul has used in 1 Corinthians 2.12. He says the spirit of the world. Okay, So this meaning then is the principle that controls the world. So it's the principle that wants to control the mind. All right. What's that usually? It's sin. 
And that's why it needs to be renewed. So our entire way of thinking, our acting, our reacting, what controls um, that needs renewed. It needs renewal. We need to think in line with God's thoughts as revealed to us in his word. So true biblical change, spiritual change doesn't bypass the mind. Okay, that renewal and transformation of the mind is then a process in which we begin to think in a new and right ways as we meditate on the truths of God, which is biblical doctrine. Because any change, though, that would bypass the spirit of the mind will not last. All right. A lot of people say, let's bypass the mind, go to the heart. You have to have a change in both places. All right. To bypass the mind is not going to, it usually will not last. And then in verse 24, we're almost done. <laughs> a lot of info. Then you put on that new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. That new self, then Paul then focuses on the individual aspect of the corporate new man. Remember the one new man thing and the, whole, the body, the church? That we are created then anew in Christ and after the likeness of God. So we, we must live by applying the truth of that new man. Paul described the church as the new creation or new man in chapter 2. And now he applies it to us, the individual. That the old lived for self, but the new considers others ahead of themselves. The old was full of racial prejudice. The new erases those distinctions, viewing all in the body equally as brothers and sisters in Christ. Remember the wall of hostility or the division between the Jews and Gentiles that's now been removed. So God, God is the creator of this new man. All right. Jesus is literally like a new man. So and again, in chapter two, we are his workmanship. That is the new man, and it's not by our own willpower. God created us as new in Christ, so we are now, now to walk in the good works that he has prepared for us, right? So God is the pattern of this new man. Jesus is the pattern of this new man. It's been created after the likeness or according to God. So righteousness and holiness are aspects of God's character. But these two qualities are pretty much synonymous. All right. But but um, righteousness refers to living according to God's standards, whereas holiness has the nuance of essential purity. All right. Both are the result of the truth as it is in Jesus. And so they are credited to us because we're placed in Christ Jesus. So we it, it's there. That's how God sees us. So the truth of sound doctrine results in the holy living now. This is what we're to be walking out. So now you 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 can see this distinctly the difference between the old person, the old you, the old man, right? That you were and the new person that you are now in Christ. And that's it. Okay. <laughs> so it's short. You were this. No longer walk that way. Rather, put that off and put this on. 
And it was last week or the week before when I said, just take off those old, that, you know, your vessel was dirty. You know, it's just tattered and, and filthy with sin and wretched. And you get to trade it in for a white robe. It's been cleansed, washed by the blood, right? It's not blood soaked. You're not, it's not like in that movie Carrie where there's all the pig's blood. It's not, you know, like you're not, because people, see, they were like, I got a pig, uh, you know, a problem with that phrase is as if we're walking around in blood and all this stuff. And I mean, these are Christians that I hear say that. It's like, no, it cleanses you, makes you new, makes you white, white as snow, white robe, right? We've exchanged that old for the new. It's so good. But here's the thing. I won't go into the text. But this is Paul. He established this in, in Ephesus. He, now he's writing this letter full of all this doctrine. And he's saying, don't go back to that stuff. I'm trying to remember when it was written now off the top of my head. But not too long after this. John's going to receive a revelation of Jesus Christ where Jesus addresses seven churches. One of them is the church in Ephesus. And all that strong teaching, all that biblical doctrine, all of these truths that Paul has laid out, Jesus says, you need to turn back to your first love. In a matter of like 10 years or something after this. That's... Big emphasis there. We can lose track. We can forget these truths if we don't grow spiritually into that maturity. We need more of it. That process of sanctification, growing in the righteousness and holiness. Yes, it's Jesus's, but he gives it to us. We can grow in that, right? We don't want to get so far off that we end up thinking we're so good that we just like forget it. We don't want to go so far off that we think we're so good that we're so spiritually higher than others that we just glow in the dark. All right. We don't want to get so far off the beaten track the path that we fall into the false doctrines and the waves and the winds and all those things. We stay true to this and to the apostles' teachings, to God's word, and always seek Jesus in it and at the core because that that's him. It's him. It's, it's all about him. Don't lose your focus on your first love. Don't lose your focus on Christ. It's because of him that you've been made new. It's because of him that you've been forgiven. It's because of you that you're redeemed, or because of him that you are redeemed, that you are good. And that's that's part of the gospel. That's the gospel of Jesus. Don't lose that. Don't lose that love to where you would have to hear you've walked away from your first love. That's pretty terrifying when you read those letters. 